Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Scots We Hate podcast. And today I'm joined by musician, filmmaker, photographer and broadcaster, Adam Stafford. Hello, Adam. Hello. Hello. Nice to be here, Alistair. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. And we're going to talk about your new album, Trophic Asynchrony, um, and hopefully a whole lot more. But let's start with the new album. Um, what can you tell us about it? Um, well, it's it's been in my head for about the past kind of two and a half years. It's taken about two years to write it, and um, it was going to be recorded in, or we were planning to record it in... Um, January or February of 2020, um, but as you as you know, uh, lockdown happened and and then the the album was kind of um, shelved really, and um, yeah, we we basically took the opportunity when um, things were relaxed last July, I think it was mm-hmm. um, July 2020. And um, we basically, um, the producer and engineer, Robbie Leshuk, and I just just basically um, tracked it in about four or five days through in his um, home studio in Glasgow. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's predominantly instrumental. Um, it's kind of a, um, I wouldn't say it's a sequel, but it's more of a, a very close cousin to um, an album I did a few years back called Fire Behind the Curtain. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it has, it has themes or um, very tenuous um, links to climate change. And um, I wouldn't call it a concept album, so to speak, but it's uh, certainly something, uh, you know, there, 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 there are large, um, intertwining themes there with regards to nature and climate change and the environment and things like that. And so, yeah. It's interesting you say it's a kind of um, follow-up or sister album to uh, the previous one, Fire Behind the Curtain, because in my memory, that's a kind of, that was a more kind of personal record. I, I, do, I would never have put the two of them together, so to speak. I guess, um, I, I guess in a way that, they're kind of musically related more than more than thematically re- related um just just in terms of how um how the music's predominantly instrumental and the um the arrangements kind of lean more towards the compositional um ele- elements of of the sort of songwriting that I do or the or the music writing that I do um Whereas I released an album during lockdown, which was a kind of, um, which was like a, a collection of old folk and blues songs that I'd been that I'd been kind of writing um, across the the decade and a bit, um, which is called Diamonds of a Horse Famine. So in a way, it's a it's a bit of a departure from that. Um, and more uh, musically related to Fire Behind the Curtain, I would say. It's interesting as well. You you said that this um, was something that you were working on before lockdown um, because 
And it's maybe, again, it's that thing if you read events into music or books or whatever it is. I was talking about lockdown novels over the weekend, which, again, I then found out had been started way before lockdown. They weren't that at all. And it feels like that with this. It feels like this is maybe a response to something. Um, but there you say, no, this this was being written beforehand. So it's pure coincidence, is it? Um, yeah, I mean, the... The album doesn't really touch upon themes of, of of the pandemic or or um, or anything like that. Um, I mean, certainly the the new the video for the new single "Threnody" for February Swallows. It was just it was just a, it was, it was just a um, coincidence that the editor and director of that Leo Bruges had come across some um, kind of eerie archival. Um, film footage and decided that it was quite prescient and it was probably you know um it it, it would probably be a good idea to, to to cut the music which is cinematic anyway to this old film footage in a way and um but but with regards to to the album itself there's not really any um there's not really any hint of of um of the pandemic or or anything like that is is purely coincident coincidental that we had to postpone it and then um you know take that opportunity that window of time to to kind of record it um during the the, the easing of lockdown last year i guess maybe it's the kind of theme of how human interaction with the world is negative and some people might say that's got a, an aspect to it as well but then you're absolutely right about the the, the video um for the for the latest single it's uh well can you explain a little bit about that because it really is prescient and quite chilling yeah um we uh leo and i who who is my is one of my close friends and has been since university days and we've we've collaborated on not just films together, but also on films soundtracks. I've done a few things that uh, soundtrack-wise for films that he's he's uh, made in the past, and um, we were talking about just ideas for for the music videos. And um, he had came across this uh, this archival film on I think buried in the in the. British Film Institute's website, and he he was taken aback by it, and um, I think he played the the kind of um, un, the the unedited, uncut version of um, Doctor Wise's influenza on. He just played it through online, and then um, kind of um, matched my music to it, so to speak, and he was he was quite taken by how everything seemed to coalesce and everything seemed to work together. And he said, well, we should, uh, we should probably, you know, this is a, this is a relevant topic now and it probably still will be when the album comes out. So how about we ask the British Film Institute if we can take the footage and cut the music to it. And, and that's what we did. And, uh, yeah, I think it works. It works really well. And it's just, it's kind of like history repeating itself really, isn't it? When you watch the, when you watch the, the film and when you think about what's happening now, 
I mean, I guess they weren't back in um, 1918. They weren't as scientifically ad advanced as we are just now, but still, it's um, it's it's quite startling to to see the similarities in it. Certainly, absolutely. I was watching it and thinking, well, it seems that we don't learn from history, or at least there's a kind of generational jump, you know, the next generation from anything huge would say, well, do you remember those days? But then it's kind of soon forgotten. And that's what makes it so shocking to watch, to see how close the similarities are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even in the even in the kind of mask making, in the section at the end where the, the nurses make the masks and it's kind of like, well... <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's truly prescient. It certainly is. You could have put that into a, a kind of early lockdown advert and said, "Here's how yeah. you mask." Yeah. You know, it's all out there. I mean, the weird thing about it was, Alistair, that I didn't, I didn't really know that there was a flu epidemic before COVID in 1918. You you aren't really taught about it in oh, history classes at school. Um, there's there's a lot I, I listen to a lot of kind of pre-war blues music from America and stuff and there's a lot of Blind Willie Johnson songs where he mentions influenza and things like that but I just thought that it was the general flu that was you know that that's always been going about I didn't know that there was a a proper widespread um, pandemic where thousands of people well millions of people died and um, yeah. Maybe, I mean, that's maybe why some countries have made such a mess of the, the current situation because they haven't really learned any lessons from the past. No, I think that's I think that's right. But then also I was thinking about the video to your previous single, Ruptured Telecine, which also involves masks. So you can see why <laughs> I thought there was a lockdown vibe <laughs> going on. Well, the the mask the 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 idea for the mask with the um, with the the mouth kind of slit in it was because um, you know all when all of this madness was was going on last year, there was these these guys that were um, protesting against lockdown and about um, you know how COVID wasn't real and all of this kind of nonsense and I just. I just thought it was so funny how a lot of them were protesting with with masks with mouth holes in them. I just thought that was the daftest thing ever, you know. And um, so I tried to incorporate that into the video to try and uh, make it a bit more relevant to the situation, you know. It's a lovely video. The lovely mix of kind of Bob Dylan style uh, sloganeering and then this mask with the with the mouth coming through. It's yeah, just... yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the titles of the two singles, uh, Ruptured Telecine and Threadery for February Swallows. Mm -hmm. Unpick those titles for me because my vocabulary is not going <laughs> to know exactly what that refers to. Well, um, Ruptured Telecine has been mispronounced by, by a few people. It's actually Ruptured Telecine. Ah. Um, I should have I should have put the the accent on the e I guess, um, and it just basically means um, broken celluloid or broken film. Um, but somebody had mentioned to me I think it was um, it was somebody that was working for Song by Toad. Um, one of the PR people had mentioned that telecene was something to do with. Um, 
with centuries or decades or or something like that and uh and that that puts a whole different meaning on it but um yeah ruptured telus cine was um i mean basically it was called that because i think i read it in in something and i just thought the the synthesizers in the song sounded a bit like um you know like old educational films like i guess like the 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 education boards of canada and things like that you know the all of these um old kind of informative info films that you that you saw in the 70s and 80s so it reminded me of that and that's why the title was assigned to that um threnody for february swallows is uh threnody is just basically a a lament or a requiem or or a dirge and and um you shouldn't really see swallows in february so it was um a kind of i guess a uh um a nod to to the to the climate change themes of the album yeah there are certain clues that if you see them in nature then they're almost warning sign yeah absolutely i guess that's that's what i'm trying to say yeah i mean if you see swallows in february's or uh, in february or um blizzards in july then you know it's 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 it's, uh, it's definitely a, a red flag yeah when people say this is the warmest february we've ever had it's not necessarily no it's not a good thing <laughs> so i was uh, oh, sorry i, I was going to say i was um i think it was at the start of the year when um when there was these crazy blizzards and and snowstorms in in texas and somebody had dug up a a, 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 pre, a past tweet from senator ted Cruz, where he said something like, when Texas freezes over, I'll vote Democrats or something like that. <laughs> and uh, somebody had dug it out of the past and put it online. And I just thought, well, you know, you're in the realm of of the kind of climate crisis now, Ted. You know, you're going to have to vote Democrat in the next election <laughs> without getting too, too political. <laughs> um. We've spoken about the two videos, but with all of your music, or at least with most of your music, there's a really, the visual side of it's very uh, important. Um, and even with the visuals for the single and for the album, I mean, they're quite arresting mm. images. Uh, what are they? I think it's under microscope or something. Um, I think it's just some nature photography from um, from a... a a guy that I follow on Twitter and I seen I've never met I've never met him. His name's Robert Sanders and he goes under the okay. the um the Twitter handle of cows uh cows are just food. I think he used to have a music blog and he certainly makes music himself, I think. I must check that out because they're, they're fabulous uh fabulous. Yeah, they're, they're beautiful. I mean he just put them up online one day and uh, I was after we tracked the album I was thinking to myself how am I gonna, you know, you know, just just the, the things in your head where you you're thinking, starting to think about um, the album artwork and the layout and what kind of um, visual identity you want the album to have. And he had posted these pictures of mushrooms up um, that he'd just taken out on a walk, I think, and manipulated them digitally. And uh, and I just I got in touch with them and I, I asked them if it was okay to use them for a small fee and and he said yeah 
just just use them. So yeah, I mean, I think they're just um, they're just close up macro pictures of mushrooms that have been digitally um, manipulated. Fantastic, and I, and I love them. I love that front cover image as well. It's so uh, so vibrant and bursting with color. Absolutely, you would never think a, a, a mushroom picture taken in the British Isles could produce color like that. I mean, it's something. I know. Um, but to go back to this idea of what you do visually, it is a very important side of your music, isn't it? I mean, when do you um, think about the visuals or is it sometimes that they come first? How, how does it work for you? I mean, you know, I love, uh, I'm a massive fan of cinema and I really, um, you know, I studied film and photography at university and I'm a massive photography fan and I, I, the, the, the music is always quite visual I suppose but I never really have uh, the, I guess the music dictates itself so there's never really a, a visual um, idea in mind like, you know um, unless it's influenced by a film or by something sp specific it's it's never the, the music really just dictates its own um, visual content, I suppose, w without trying to sound too wanky, it's it's uh, it's one of these things where you know I love film and I love film soundtracks and I've done film soundtracks and I've made films and things like that. But uh, when it comes to writing music, it's it's really just um, a case of is the music good and do I like it and does it um, does it uh, give me some sort of nourishment and if if those are um, all answered, uh, then you know the the visual the visual aspects come later. I suppose is what I'm trying to say. And how? Because you know you've you've um, well for me anyway. You have covered different genres genres. You've brought different styles in. Um, you know, pop, classical, um, electronic, whatever, however you want to call them. Um, how do you decide that? Basically, how do you start a project? How did you start Trophic Asynchrony? How did you think this is the music for this subject? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I guess, like a lot of musicians, I just I just um, start improvising ideas and, 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 and things that sound um, nice or, or um, melodic to me. I usually... I keep on a certain theme or an idea and I just try and develop that. And once it's developed to a certain point, there's maybe it goes through a few evolutions. Um, and then, then you start thinking, Oh, well, I've got like three or four songs here and, uh, maybe I could write a few more and it could become an album. And then that's how it kind of starts to go. And then I guess, um, I guess just as I was writing Trophic Asynchrony, the themes of climate change were becoming a bit more um, present. You know, they were, you know, you had you have David Attenborough on Netflix telling everybody that, you know, it's this is going to be disastrous if we don't start acting now. By the time we get to twenty fifty, then it's going to be yeah, it's going to be a fucking mess and. You start to really um, pay attention to somebody like that, and 
and so I, I guess I, I I started to bring all of these um, these worries and anxieties to the music, and I don't I don't mean to try and sound make it sound as if it's um, if it was all as if it was all composed under a dark cloud, but it certainly um, you know a, a lot of that kind of conversation informed informed the music. So it's interesting you mentioned uh, diamonds of a horse famine from earlier mm. on, because is that, is that you said that they were older bits of music and lyrics and things that you'd return to? How how was that? Mm. To do that must have been quite interesting. And going back, how far? Going right back to where you started? Yeah, I guess so. And um, probably going back to about two thousand and six or two thousand and seven, I found an old notebook. Um, which I found before lockdown, actually, and I was going through it and thinking some of these songs might, because, I mean, I always have half-finished things and half-done demos and scribbles and things like that that can be, that could probably be, you know, reanimated or resurrected or 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 fleshed out a little bit. And um, but, but But a lot of these songs were, were pretty much ninety percent finished, right. or or just needed a little bit of um, arrangement or a little bit of tweaking, um, and then we we I think we applied for two Creative Scotland grants to do Trophy K Synchrony in December nineteen and January twenty twenty, and sorry February twenty twenty, and they were knocked back basically. Creative Scotland said, we can't give you the money because we can't go against government guidance and have people in the same room at the same time because that, you know, that would just be flying in the face of what the Scottish government have told us okay. is, you know, we can't do, basically. Um, so then it was like, oh, shit, what are we going to, what am I going to do during this lockdown and to, to try and, busy myself and focus some more attention, um, I, I decided to to go through these old songs and, and try and um, try and redo them and record them properly, you know, just for prosperity and try and get them down onto some sort of, um, you know, I would say tape, but it's not really tape. It's just a, a digital WAF, WAF file. But it's so interesting because they are... The two albums uh, are so very different. Um, you've got these kind of, for want of a better term, lo-fi songs for you anyway, I would say. Uh, and mm -hmm. then you've got this much more kind of um, expansive uh, piece of music. It must have been interesting to be working on both. The two yeah. sides of Adam Stafford. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Diamonds of a Horse Famine... Um, is is it's quite personal and mm. well there's there's a quite a lot of songs on there that are personal and there's quite a lot of songs on there that are um, you know that are just um, fictional stories that I some sometimes like to write try, or try my hand at, at a fiction you know and uh, and come up with characters and scenarios and um. You know, there's an there's a great there's a great album by the Richmond Fontaine called 
with Fitzgerald and that was really like the, uh, when that came out that was a really big influence on some of the writing that I did in New Orleans Fantasy Island and mm. it's kind of continued um, I really like that guy's kind of um, economic prose poetry storytelling angle uh, I can't remember his name the the lead singer and writer of, of uh, the Richmond Fontaine but in a way it's a kind of it's it's me trying to emulate that formula to to write um concise narrative poems almost in a, in a song form so whereas trophic asynchrony is just um is more compositional i would i would say yeah and uh, is that something you think has developed as you've gone on in your music that you've moved more towards the compositional or will you always kind of move things around and uh, try different things? Because it seems to me looking at your back catalogue, that's what you've always done is you know, to try different things. I think I'd like to to try to be, or at least to tr- at least to attempt to try f- fresh ideas or, you know, um, things without my, com- without my comfort zone uh, yeah. a lot of the time. Because um, I think it, it, David Bowie had said that you know once you once you come out of your comfort zone and you wade into the water and you can't feel your feet anymore on the on the on the banks of the of the uh, water, then you know that's when you that's when you're at your best. And I really believe that. I think that I think that too many musicians rest on their laurels and should maybe try different things. You know, I mean, unless you're the Ramones, whereas that's like <laughs> a, a tried and tested template, you know, or uh, or or somebody like that. Do but you I think... Know, sorry, on you go. Well, I was just going to say, I think, I think it's, I think, I think it's important, even if it's a failure, you know, even if, um, even if it's like Neil Young's trans album, where it's just like kind of, Fulcodery, almost uh, unlistenable synth music. You know, it's at least he is trying to do something that's not um, what he's known for. I think that's really important because it helps you to also develop as an artist. I mean, I made a an album um, in two thousand and nineteen, which was just released on cassette called the Acid uh, the Acid Bothy, mm-hmm. and it's just synth experimentations and stuff and. I I know myself that you know it's not going to be for everybody's taste, and it's going to be a disappointment after something like Fire Behind the Curtain. But it's an important um, stepping stone for me creatively to try and um, flesh, you know, um, try new ideas and try new things with this new technology. And without that album, I don't think Trophy Case and Synchrony would have would have happened. To be honest with you. I think that's an interesting idea of um, feeling that the disappointment or something like that it strikes me that you're the kind of musician whose fans go with you wherever you go. I might be wrong about <laughs> that. But, uh, you know, if, if it's something a bit different than that, that's almost what they expect and look for. Do you think that's right? I think it probably is. Maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've heard a few people say, you know, 
that's what I like about your stuff is that you you um you defy the expectations and you try new genres or new types of of music and it's not one thing it's it's several different things and i think i think um maybe that's how that's how you should be as a musician you should always be trying to to challenge your perceptions of things definitely and um, when yeah. you when you look back over your own music how do you, how do you this might be completely impossible to answer how do you look upon yourself as a musician i mean do you think oh is that the same person that made that do you recognize yourself all the way through i guess so they're, they're different um the different iterations of where you were at a time in your life and um you know i'm really embarrassed about some of the music that i've made in the past to be honest um but as I said, I think that's an important, um, you know, when when a musician writes and release, uh, records and releases an album, you've seen a really heavily edited version of what, of, of the creative process, right? But um, sometimes in the past, I've just been quite impulsive and just, released stuff that I've recorded on a crappy cassette player and I've done stuff that maybe I've not, that maybe I should have spent more time refining and I I find all that kind of interesting, you know, I find the, the, um, the heroic failures <laughs> really interesting. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that I'd like to go forward and doing because you, because a musician is always evolving in that sense. It's a, it's a, it's a constant evolution. Yeah. Um, I've got a friend who's in a band called Vulture Party yeah. who are great. And um, David, and he, he like constantly rewrites his songs. He just, uh, and it always amazes me how he'll have, like five or six different versions of the one song, and maybe the maybe the fourth version version will end up on the album, and the other, you know, four or fall uh, five will fall away to the to the wayside. And I just think that's that's a a really cool way of operating. Without giving away someone else's secrets, are they very different versions? Are you talking about, or are they kind of slightly different, and then go with one? Yeah, I mean, I guess they're 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 slightly different, um, but I've 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 seen David from Vulture Party um, writing the whole song, and then and then there'll be another version where it's got a completely different chorus, and you know he's completely restructured the the the, the lyrics to the song, and um. I think I think that's uh, that's a really commendable way of working, you know, because it's not it's not one fixed idea. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not against, I'm not against somebody who has a vision of how this should be and and that's that. But I think it's important that um, people um, can be a part of the evolution of of the music in that sense. 
Do you, have you ever found yourself writing something or working on something and you think, oh, no, this is similar to what I've done before and then, say, you know, moving on? Yeah, all the time. I mean, all the time. It's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll write something and think, this is, I've done this. And even even worse than that is, um, is writing something that you think is great and then realising that you've ri- ripped off a, Chuck Berry song or a or a Twilight Sad song or a police song or something like that. It's like, oh no, what am I doing? Like Father didn't lift when they hear the Eurovision song could the song Yeah. <laughs> and even worse than that is when you've not realized and you've put it on an album that's been released and you're like, oh, that actually has the same lyric as that I've subconsciously ripped off from somebody else. Which is things that I've done, which is what I've done before. You know, I think, I think everybody's just a facsimile of of all of the music that they've heard, and some of it goes subconsciously, and some of it comes out um, in the conscious sense of of writing and, and stuff. And yeah, it's uh, you you have to. I mean, because there's so much music, sure, there's so much music down the down the, the decades that you have to be sort of aware of of things, you know. And uh, I've always found you put on very interesting live shows, no matter what, you know, album or, or something you're doing. Is, are you thinking of live shows um, for Trophic Asynchrony? I am, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to do some, some um, live events in October, actually. Excellent. Um, you know, uh, COVID permitting and the any any mutations of the Delta variant that we've still got to to kind of uh, to foresee. But um, yeah, there's a few dates that have already been penciled in for October, and um, there's going to be one in Glasgow, one in Edinburgh, and I think there's hopefully going to be one in Falkirk as well, which Vulture Party will be playing if if okay. it goes ahead. Um, because we were in a, a sort of similar situation last year with uh, Diamonds of a Horse Famine. I was planning on doing a, an album launch in the Happiness Hotel at um, Matthew at Song by Toad's place, mm-hmm. um, the studio that he's got in the, the back of his house. But by October, it was qu- quite clear, I think, that um, the cases were on the rise again and it wasn't going to happen, so... We'll see how it goes. <laughs> oh, well, fingers crossed. Yeah. Adam, thank you so much for taking time to have a chat today. Uh, I've really... Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, for having me as a guest. It's a pleasure, absolute pleasure. And we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Cheers. Cheers.